This message was shared from the pulpit at Good News Baptist Church in Chesapeake, Virginia. For more information, visit us online at goodnewsbaptist.org. Second Corinthians, hold your place there in chapter 4. Tonight we will continue in our study, Measuring the Pilgrim's Progress. Tonight we'll continue our journey through the eyes of the 17th century preacher, John Bunyan. We find Pilgrim in the house of Interpreter, where he entered a dusty parlor. You remember that? And Interpreter asked one of his servants there to begin to sweep. Dust filled that room. Uh, Pilgrim began to choke uh, until a woman began to sprinkle the floor with water so that the room could be cleaned. And we are reminded that the dust is like sin when it is stirred up by God's law. It can't, the law can't cleanse at all, right? Uh, it just reveals the dirt. And, uh, and uh, many have choked on the law. And uh, because how do I uh, get deliverance uh, when it's up to me to keep rules, or at least that's what my religion tells me to do. I'm so thankful uh, that the Spirit of God, uh, using the gospel, can settle a heart and then cleanse a heart from sin. Really allowing, as happened with Pilgrim, allowing a soul to breathe clearly again. Now Interpreter took Pilgrim by the hand and led him into a little room where sat two little children, each upon his chair. The name of the eldest was Passion and the name of the other, Patience. Passion and Patience. Passion seemed to be much discontented, but Patience was very quiet. Then Pilgrim asked, what is the reason for the discontent of passion? Interpreter answered, the governor of them would have uh, him wait for his best things that are coming next year. But patience is willing to wait. Have you ever seen a discontented child passionate to get his own way or her own way? Well, that's the image, uh, imagery that Bunyan puts before us. Two boys in a room. One, both have been promised. Uh, good is coming. One, passion, wants it now. In fact, yesterday would have been fine too. But patience is content to wait. Then I saw that someone came to passion and brought him a bag of treasure and poured it out at his feet. Makes us smile, doesn't it? Some think that the best child is a quiet child, and so just give them what they want. They don't stay quiet very long, do they? So Passion took it up and rejoiced therein, as he also taunted Patience with scorn. Look what I have. But after a while, passion spent and squandered the treasure and was left with nothing but his rags. Then said Pilgrim to Interpreter, 
expound this matter more fully to me. So he said, these two lads are representative of human souls. Passion represents the men of this world, and patience the men of the world to come. For as you have seen, passion will have all right now in this world, so are the men of this world. They, as James said, devour to have. They're not satisfied. They must have all their good things now and cannot wait for the next world. As you saw, passion quickly spent it all and was left with only rags. So will it be for all such men at the end of the world. Now let's pause and just think about the spiritual truth that's being presented. Remember the temptation of our Savior by Satan in Luke 4. Satan propositioned him to bypass suffering and humiliation. Uh, Satan knew why he was here. He wanted him to bypass all that and to have his reward right now. Took him to one of the uh, pinnacles of the temple and said, If you'll worship me, I'll give all this to you. Uh, I'm sorry, took him to a high mountain and said, if you'll worship me, I'll give all this to you. Please yourself now. Satisfy yourself now. Satan offers false satisfaction without the travail of soul, the hardship of service. The songwriter had it right. I will tell the saints and angels as I lay my burdens down, Jesus led me all the way. Uh, someone else has said there are no crown wearers who weren't first cross bearers here. So true. That's, that's the Christian life. Wouldn't it be great if, if something else uh, was true, that, that we could uh, have all the pleasure now and it, it wouldn't affect us, hurt us, but that's not the way it is. And the scripture is clear in presenting uh, the fact that the now generation is willing to sacrifice the eternal on the altar of the immediate, as Dr. Bob Jones Sr. used to say. And so that's passion. And when you feel yourself passionate to acquire more stuff, watch out. Watch. That's not why we are here. Then said Pilgrim, now I see that patience has the best wisdom because he waits for the best things and will have the benefits when the other has nothing but rags. Said Interpreter, and you may add something else, his glory and benefits in the next world will never wear out. Patience will have the laugh at passion because patience had his best things last. Therefore, it was said by Abram to the rich, Abraham to the rich man in hell, In thy lifetime you received thy good things, and likewise Lazarus evil things, but now he is comforted, and thou art tormented. Luke 16, 25. Now again, let's consider some application here for us. Let me ask you a question. Abraham speaking to the rich man. Have you ever thought about the fact when Abraham was here, he was a rich man too? He had so much stuff that he and his nephew, their stuff couldn't all be in the same place. 
And so they needed to divide their stuff. And yet as we look at Abraham, he believed God. He took God at his word and it was counted unto him for righteousness. When, it, when they needed to separate, Abraham wasn't looking to, for what was best. He was looking to God. And so, Lot, whatever you take, I'll take the other. He, he had wealth, but he hadn't set his heart on wealth. And so we need to set our affections on things above. What's another word for affections? Passion. We need to set our passions on things above and not on the things on the earth. You're in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Would you look down at verse 17? For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things that are seen are temporal, and the things that are, but the things that are not seen are eternal. And so we need to patiently endure. If someone could give you a spiritual name, what would it be? Passion. There are people driven to have more, to live it up. Get all you can, can all you get. But God says, set your affections on things above. Then I perceived it not best to covet things that are now, said Pilgrim, but to wait for things to come. To speak the truth, said interpreter, for the things, or you speak the truth, for the things that are seen are temporal, but the things that are not seen are eternal. But though this be so, remember that present things and our fleshly appetite are close neighbors, and the one can quickly spoil the other. Is it a sin to have possessions? I hope not, because God gives them to us. Every good and perfect thing cometh down from the Father of lights. All right, every blessing I have is from Him. Consider again the story of the prodigal in Luke 15. Before the prodigal left home, did he live in a wealthy home? Yes or no? Sure he did. When he, Remember, when he comes back, when he gets right and comes back, they... Uh, slay the fatted calf, he's given a golden ring. All those things tell us he's from a wealthy home. Did he use well-earned gain for carnal wicked pursuits? Yes or no? He sure did. All that that his father had labored diligently for and then gave to his demanding spoiled son, the son went out and he wasted it in riotous living. The party, wicked, live-it-up lifestyle. So he is evidence to us that present things can easily spoil and detract from eternal things. God does not give us good things to richly enjoy so that they can distract us from him. In fact, his goodness is intended for us to be drawn to him and to give him greater glory. 
Then I saw in my dream that the interpreter took Christian by the hand and led him into a place where was a fire burning against a wall. Saw some footage just recently uh, where there was a stone wall and there was fire burning. Some things had been set on fire at the base of that wall. And it made me maybe think of this. So Pilgrim looks at this, the base of this wall is on fire. The one standing by it was casting much water upon it to quench it. There's a fire. He's trying to put the fire out. Yet the fire burned higher and hotter. Then said Pilgrim, well, what does this mean? Interpreter answered, this fire is the work of grace that is wrought in the heart. He that casts water upon it to extinguish it and put it out is the devil. But you see that the fire, notwithstanding, burns higher and brighter. Here is the reason. Then interpreter took Pilgrim by the arm, and they walked around to the other side, the back side of the wall, and there they saw a man with a vessel of oil in his hand, and he was continually pouring that oil. And obviously, it was seeping in underneath. So as the, the man on the other side was trying to put out the fire, it just continued to flare up. Then Pilgrim asked, what does this mean? Again, interpreter answered, this is Christ, the man on the other side of the wall, who continually with the oil of grace maintains the work he has already begun in the heart. No matter what the devil does, the souls of God's people prove gracious still. And that you saw a man standing behind the wall to maintain the fire, this is to teach you that it is hard for the tempted to see how the work of grace is maintained in the soul. Once again, so much wonderful imagery here. Do you ever struggle with temptation? We all do, right? Do you ever feel like the fire of God that is burning in your heart since you received the Holy Spirit of God, do you ever feel like that's being quenched? That sometimes you just feel like spiritually there's not much there. You ever feel that? That's what a bunion is addressing here. In fact, he's addressing a greater problem. The picture is explained by an issue of controversy that existed in the Christian community during Bunyan's time. Bunyan and some of the other faithful preachers declared against this. But here, here was what was happening in Bunyan's time. The question was, can a true believer in Christ forfeit his salvation and fall from grace? Can someone lose their salvation? No, but they were teaching that in Bunyan's time. Are there any churches today claim to believe the gospel like we do that say that at a certain point you can fall from grace and lose your salvation? Yeah. The Nazarenes struggle with that. Um, certain Baptists struggle with that. Uh, I've never understood uh, free will Baptists. Doesn't seem to go together if you can lose your salvation. Not all of them believe that, some do. 
But Bunyan in his day was having to deal with this. So here is what Bunyan was accurately teaching. As salvation, a work of grace has begun in the heart that cannot be quenched. It can't. Why? The unseen Christ continues to pour abundant grace on the lives of his saints, even where sin abounds. Sometimes that grace is the grace of chastening. Where the Lord loves, he rebukes, and he chastens. Don't answer this out loud, or please don't raise your hand, but have you ever gotten a spiritual spanking from the Father? Uh-huh. Okay, so I'll confess to you, I've gotten those spankings. And the Lord has great accuracy. He can swing from heaven and hit the target every time. But he knows just how much I need to get back where I can begin to experience the grace of, of the Christian life. And so what Bunyan was referring to is found in Philippians 1.6, being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will, say the rest of the verse with me, Perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. Does he ever quit on us? Does he ever give up? Can you ever wander outside of his reach? Never. So where Satan is pouring in the water, God is fueling the flame. Now, the honest, honest truth is God wants that flame to just consume us and so we need to stay away from Satan and sin because it will, and think about the wording here, it will quench what the Spirit is doing in your life. So yield to the Spirit, don't fulfill the lust of the flesh, and let God just continue to grow the fire in your soul through grace. He said, I, also, I saw also interpreter now taking Pilgrim by the hand and leading him from his house and into a pleasant place where there was a stately palace, beautiful to behold. It delighted Pilgrim, for he saw upon wall, its walls certain persons walking who were clothed in white linen and gold. Then said Pilgrim, may I go in there? But interpreter took him and led him up towards the door of the place. And behold, at the door stood a great company of men desiring to get in, but they could not. For there sat a man before the door at a table, while a book and his inkquill, with a book and his inkquill before him, he took down the names of those who would enter. There were also men in armor with weapons who guarded the door, desiring to hurt anyone who would enter. Now was Pilgrim amazed. At last, when every man had been turned away, Pilgrim saw a tall man with stout countenance approach the table and demand, Write down my name, sir. When this was done, the tall man drew his sword and rushed towards the armed men at the gate. Now, let me just pause and remind us, remember that John Bunyan was a soldier in Cromwell's army. So all the, this about armor and weapons and, and uh, walled cities, 
Bunyan lived it. Okay, so that's that's what the imagery that he's drawing from 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 his very day. So the tall man drew his sword, runs to the gate. Although he received many wounds. With deadly force, he cut his way through all of those men and pressed forward into the palace. Pilgrim heard a pleasant voice from uh, within, join those on the walls who were calling, Come in, come in, eternal glory, thou shalt win. So he entered and was clothed with garments such as the others had. Then Pilgrim smiled and said to interpreter, Truly, I think I know the meaning of this. Let me go in also. Interpreter replied, No, stay with me a little longer until I have showed you a little more. And after that, ye will go on the way. It's interesting and a bit puzzling that he ends that here. And you're going to have to come back next time to see what happens next with Pilgrim. All right. But what is the imagery around this palace? Let's look at that and then we'll be done. Pilgrim had just witnessed the gracious work of Christ keeping the flame going despite the continued efforts of the devil. Now... He has shown the other side of the Christian life. I'm so thankful that God preserves his own. When we're put in his hand, no man is able to pluck us out of our Father's hand. Okay, Grace. And yet, we're going to see this later when Pilgrim becomes Christian. Now the fight starts. Many want to enter the kingdom without denying themselves. There are going to be some people that are surprised someday that they're not in heaven. Because, yes, they, they wanted heaven, but they didn't want to give up their sin. They didn't want to face the struggle, the battle that, that's, that's involved. God's grace is free, but we must be willing to put to death the deeds of the flesh through that grace, Romans 8 and verse 13. We must be living sacrifices, Romans 12, 1, who work out our own salvation with fear and trembling, Philippians 2, 12. Please don't think I'm saying we work our way to heaven. We don't. It is all the work of Christ. But here's the point. When we come to Christ, we give him our life. And, and I, I have witnessed to people, I've heard them pray prayers. But this is why the longer I, I try to witness to people, the more convinced I am repentance has to precede redemption. It just does. And so the Lord talks about those who want to get into the sheepfold and they're thieves and robbers and they're, they're trying to figure out another way to do it. And, and these men that would approach this gate to this city didn't want the fight. They didn't want the, the hassle. They didn't want to have to sacrifice. If any man will come unto me, Jesus said, you have to what? Deny yourself. It shouldn't be lost on us that the disciples, when Jesus said, follow me, they left how much? Everything. 
they walked away. Consider Matthew 11 and verse 12. From the days of John the Baptist until now, Jesus said, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence. That word suffers in the original is in the passive voice, which means those who would enter suffer violence and mistreatment. Okay, and by the way, since the days of John the Baptist, did he suffer any violence and mistreatment? Oh, yeah. Since the time of John. And then it goes on to say in Matthew 11, and the violent take it by force. In other words, they press to enter in by force. I love the handle that John Bunyan had on truth. That's the whole point. This man goes to the table. He says, put my name in that book, sir. Draws his sword and he runs for the gate. All right, and it's not meant to teach self-effort, but to help us understand that getting in the kingdom, it's not easy street. Narrow is the way that leads to life everlasting. Few there be that find it. It is tight. It is narrow. Perhaps this example will help, and then we'll close. Do you remember the story of Stephen? When he's brought in front of the Jewish leaders... And he preaches a message. And the Holy Spirit sends deep conviction to the hearts of those that are listening, including a guy by the name of Saul of Tarsus. He's there too. He heard the preaching. Conviction's a funny thing. Some people get right, some people get mad. Some get really mad. And this particular day, the Holy Spirit convicting in the hearts, they drag Stephen out of the city. And they stone him to death. Now, would you agree with me that that's violence? Okay. Some enter violently. But just remember that there was, in, in Stephen's preaching, there was also a loving but stern, uh, the word escapes me, confrontation. He confronted them. Did Peter confront uh, that crowd at Pentecost? You slew the Savior. That's, that's pretty direct. You're guilty. And so as they're raining stones down to crush the life out of Stephen, Stephen looks up and he sees the Lord, and the Lord is there to encourage him. And as his life is being snuffed out, you sense that there is this great spiritual battle, and Stephen wins. Did you hear me? Stephen wins. He got his promotion into the city. It was, it was bloody. And God then would use that to get to the heart of Saul of Tarsus, and it's not going to be long as Saul, Paul, is going to be saved. But don't miss this. When he's in Damascus, and now he believes on Christ, do you remember how they had to get him out of Damascus? Somebody help me. They had to let him down in a basket so he could escape at night. Why? Because more violence. He's our hero, and now we're going to kill him. He's turned on us. That's what the scripture is trying to help us see, and that's what Bunyan is, is uh, portraying to us through what, what uh, Pilgrim is seeing.
Bunyan wrote a hymn. He who would valiant be. And he talks in that hymn about Pilgrim. He talks about the fact that it's a fight. And so I leave you with this tonight, brethren. Think it not strange concerning the fiery trial. Don't think it's strange. You know, Lord, is this really what the Christian life is about? Just, Just take a look. He's always there with us. He is our captain and our defender. His grace is always sufficient. But this isn't home and you're in enemy territory. And just remember that as you continue along the narrow way. Toward the hope of our high calling, toward the promise we've received. Thank you for listening. If you have questions about your relationship with God, or you would like to know more about the ministry of Good News Baptist Church, please visit us online at goodnewsbaptist.org or call us at 757-488-3241. We encourage you to share this message with others. We trust your heart was challenged as you listened, and God's Word has had an impact on your life, as together we strive to show forth the path of life. Press on.